The word of the Lord from Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me what is his name, what shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Moses is a shepherd in the wilderness when he encounters God. He looks far off and sees a bush burning but not consumed, and as he draws near to see it, God calls to him out of the bush and says, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. The ground is holy because holy God is there. 
This is not one of those famous fiery shrub puppets where God is pulling the strings while he looks down from on high. He is present in that place. He is present with Moses. And that will continue too. When God leads his people out of Egypt, he'll be present with them, not in a burning bush, but in a pillar of fire. The Lord declares to Moses that he has heard the suffering of the Israelites in Egypt, 400 years worth, and that he is sending Moses back to deliver them. Moses is not especially excited at the prospect, being that Pharaoh is cruel and Moses is a fugitive wanted for murder. When God insists, Moses objects that he's a nobody, which you know is just the sort of person God delights to make use of. So when the Lord is still not dissuaded, Moses tries again because nobody is going to risk Pharaoh's wrath by following a no-name like him. He says, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me what is his name, what shall I say to them? And here it is. God says to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. There it is, the name of God. I am, in Hebrew, Yahweh. In most English versions, Lord in capital letters. Long story. God's name is first about his eternal nature then, There was a time when I was not, and apart from Christ, a time when I live no more, in which case my I am-ness is pretty brief. But God is always I am because God always is. He was I am before creation, and he remains I am forever. If he always is, then he is always holy, always merciful, always gracious, always who he is. And if God is I am forever, then his word endures forever too. So God is named I am. We've got something about his person, about who he is. So let's look to the verbs to find out about what he does. So in our Old Testament reading, he is the one who sees the affliction of his people. He knows their sufferings. And he comes to deliver them out of slavery and into the promised land. He hears the cries of his people. He sees what their oppressors do. And he will rescue his people from all of their enemies. The great I am does as well as he is and says. True to his word, he delivers his people out of Egypt. He leads them across the wilderness towards the promised land. He calls them his people, which means he makes them his own. He gives them his name so that they know him. He encourages them to call upon him for help. So they can count on the help and the mercy of the one who always is. This only makes last Wednesday's story of the golden calf even more perplexing than it was before. Not only do the Israelites credit the calf with God's work, but Aaron even declares their wretched celebration to be a worship of Yahweh, the great I Am. 
If we are to put this into perspective, well, I'm not sure that we can. You know enough not to make fun of the boss and the boss's hearing because you're likely to get fired from your job. You get caught by a neighbor joking about his name and you're terribly embarrassed. You include a friend's name in a legal contract without his permission and you're exchanging pleasant dinners for a court date. You know better. So why would it ever make sense to misuse the name of Yahweh, the great I am? The second commandment is, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. And in the small catechism, Luther explains this by saying, we should fear and love God so that we do not curse, swear, use satanic arts, lie or deceive by his name, but call upon it in every trouble, pray, praise and give thanks. Let's pick that apart a little bit. You should fear God's wrath if you misuse his name. If making fun of the boss lands you in hot water, why would you ever think that misusing God's name would be a trivial thing? That could only be because you have such little regard for the one true God. You should love God so much that you just wouldn't misuse his name because, well, you love him. Therefore, it's a terrible thing to curse in God's name. For one thing, to curse is to call destruction upon someone or something because you're angry and convinced in your sinful wrath that the destruction is deserved. That's bad enough because you're claiming the authority to destroy as if all things are there to serve you. But your sin is worse than that. To curse in God's name is to claim that God is there at your beck and call to be your enforcer and destroy whatever you don't want to see. It's likewise a terrible thing to swear thoughtlessly in God's name. For one thing, to swear in God's name except where God permits it is to admit, yeah, I know that my word is no good because I'm untrustworthy, so I've got to bring in God as my witness. Now, it might be completely true and proven that you're untrustworthy, but to bring in God as your witness to back up your untrustworthy word? The word of the Lord is certain, authoritative, effective, and endures forever. And you want to reduce God down to your buddy who backs up your story because nobody will believe you otherwise? It's a terrible thing to make use of satanic arts. And you don't have to join your local demonic cult to do so. The Lord's way for you is the way of faith, which means trusting him when you don't know everything you want to know. That's easy in theory, not so easy in practice. When you're missing someone who has died, or you're terribly worried about the future, you can talk yourself into fortune-telling, supposedly contacting the dead, things like that. Even if you avoid such practices that invite demonic attack, you're still going to wish that they worked. All of this is dangerous stuff. God has defeated the rulers and authorities of darkness to deliver you, and you'd like God to do things their way? It's a terrible thing to lie or deceive by God's name. The great I am is the God of truth who has rescued you from the lies of sin and deceptions of the devil. 
once again, to use God's name in a lie is to use God in service to sin. There's a positive side to this commandment. Besides what you shouldn't do, you should call upon his name in time of trouble, pray, praise, and give thanks. Why wouldn't you? If Yahweh gives you his name to call upon in trouble, why would you fall prey to worry and anxiety instead? If he gives and sustains and delivers and keeps you in the faith and bound for heaven, why wouldn't you constantly praise and give thanks? Why would you ever claim credit for yourself or look to someone or something else for deliverance? Once again, if you know enough not to make fun of your boss at work, why would you misuse God's name? After all, remember in our lesson that when Moses draws near to the burning bush, he falls on his face out of fear. The Lord deserves such honor and respect. We should note one more specific thing about our Old Testament reading. Specifically, verse 2 says that when the Lord appears to Moses, it is the angel of the Lord who appears to Moses, which means that this is specifically the second person of the Holy Trinity who appears to Moses. It is the Son of God who says, I am. Later on, when he's conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, he is named Jesus. Jesus, of course, means Yahweh saves, or, I suppose, I am saving. And born of Mary, Yahweh is going about his plan of salvation. That's why the angel says to Joseph, You will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. But before that reading in Matthew ends, we also hear another name. He is called Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. The great I Am drew near to Moses in the guise of a burning bush. He stayed near to Israel through the wilderness by cloaking himself in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He was with them, but not close enough. So he became flesh. Conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, he was made man. The Son of God walked among sinners to save sinners, ultimately by his death. On the cross, I am died for you. Our epistle in Colossians then has two great things to ponder. One is a mystery that I can't even begin to explain, but we can nibble just a little on the edges. It's the mystery that the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily in Jesus. The Son is a distinct person from the Father and the Spirit, but there is nothing of God that is not in the Son. When Jesus, Yahweh saves, died for you, the fullness of God died for you. If you have been filled with Jesus, you have been filled in the fullness of God. And you have been. That's the second great thing. 
You have been filled in Jesus, says Colossians, because you're baptized. Not just baptized in the name of Jesus, but in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Not only does Yahweh reveal his name to you, but he tells you that he knows your name. He remembers your name. He's written your name in his book of life. He's forgiven your sins and made you alive by canceling the record of debt that stood against you. And he's canceled that debt by paying it off with his own blood. That debt includes all the times you've misused the name of Yahweh, which gives you all the more reason to love him, call upon him in time of trouble, pray, praise, and give thanks. Like the first commandment last week, the second is difficult to keep. In fact, impossible to keep. Remember, however, that God gives laws to protect precious gifts, and God has given you his name. Rejoice in that, and even more, rejoice that you are forgiven for all of your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.